A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. You're listening to Star Wars Beyond the Films, the official expanded universe podcast of StarWarsReport.com. There is great disturbance in the force. That's right, Whistler. Welcome to episode 189 of Star Wars Beyond the Films, your Star Wars discussion podcast, your podcast of legends, your ticket to that galaxy far, far away. Our episodes broadcast on the Star Wars Report website, Second Airborne Division, at www.starwarsreport.com. Episodes can also be found on iTunes as well as Stitcher, and right on our own Twitter and Facebook pages at SW Beyond Films. Hey, but enough about how you got here. Let's get this show started. I'm one of your hosts, the defender of the EU, the champion of the multiverse, the bipolar Star Wars fan, Mark Herleman. And with me, like the Imperial accent, the EU guru himself, the Count of Continuities, Mr. Nathan P. Butler. This intro, where are you taking this thing? Also joining us this week, flying all the way in from Cloud City Casino, the new Baron Administrator himself, Michael Morris. Phil Bears ate off both my legs. Sorry, that's my favorite line from the book. I tried to block that line out, I'm pretty sure. I I don't remember it at all. It's so good. I also like the, uh, I don't like sand line, so I have a weird sense of humor, I guess. Well, humor is subjective. Unless it's bad, in which case, no. Like Jar Jar. Somebody out there's gonna be like, I like poop and fart jokes, dang it! Yes, I know, Kevin Smith, I didn't realize you were listening to the show. <laughs> He's a big fan. Star Wars Beyond the Films, we asked the tough questions. Questions that have bothered you for a long time or simple ones that have perplexed you off and on. You ponder about Star Wars and so do we. This episode we begin our coverage of Aftermath and the dead beaten Bantha left bloated and rotting in the room. Well, consider that time to launch the fire into these rockets, Beyonders and Sentients of All Ages, because here we go. Another adventure beyond the films. That's right. So the idea here was to get the three of us together with very differing views on Aftermath. Michael loved it. Mark, I think, was sort of more the middle ground of us. Me, the first time around reading it, not a big fan of it. But... I think my view has been colored by a lot of stuff going on around it. And the thought process behind this episode is that there are three sort of elephants or banthas in the room that we need to get out of the way to be able to do a real honest appraisal of the book. Not the crap outside the book, but the book as it exists. The kind of stuff that's been infecting a lot of reviews out there that frankly aren't really fair, in some cases, to... Anyone wanting to see a true review of the story or of the book as a product. So three of them, and please, you know, kind of bear with me here because I'm kind of the one who's really been pushing to, to talk about these three beforehand. So I'll be a little bit more verbose possibly this time. So number one, the big thing with Chuck Wendig and social media. There was a big blow up, a big brouhaha on social media with Chuck Wendig. And I think 
that I should preface this by saying I was not part of it. I didn't get a chance to experience it firsthand by jumping into the fray and throwing any jabs. But I guess because of this show and the timeline had a lot of people posting about it, telling me about it, sending me screenshots of stuff that was happening within these discussions. And it got a little wild and willy, a little out of control. If half of what I was being told is true and was half as bad as it seemed, then there's probably some good reason for some criticism here. And again, I say take this with a grain of salt. I was not privy, and I know for sure that the people who are bringing me this information were angry. So they may have exaggerated at least to a degree. But again, if it's only half true and half of the stuff is that case, it still bears mentioning, especially because it's affecting some people's reviews. I think the best way to put this would be to make an analogy that... In Star Wars publishing, and Star Wars writing right now, Chuck Wendig is essentially Donald Trump. Let's take Donald Trump and sort of break this down, what I mean with this. Donald Trump, those who know him and get a chance to talk to him in person, uh, people who talk about him on the radio and whatnot that I've heard more recently, talk about him in person, one-on-one, being a funny guy, a gracious guy, a smart guy, and a charitable guy, a good person. But that's not who you get when he's on the campaign trail much of the time. That's not who you get when he's on The Apprentice. Most of the time when he's in public, he has developed this persona for himself called The Donald. Capital T, capital D, The Donald. The Donald is not that guy. The Donald is abrasive, arrogant, combative, not necessarily a person you'd want to be around. And he seems to be utterly incapable of taking rational criticism. Um, For instance... You take the first GOP debate, and he that's Republicans, for those of you not politically savvy, and he gets a question about some of the things he's said in the past about women. And rather than addressing it, he winds up getting angry and then going off eventually in social media about how, well, Megyn Kelly asked that question, not because it's a legitimate point, but because she had blood coming out of her wherever, obviously intimating that she asked the question because she was an angry woman on her period. He goes to Carly Fiorina, who starts picking apart his business record and talks about her business record and then says, you know, and look at that face. Could you see that face is the face of the United States? Basically calling her ugly. He did not respond to the actual criticism or the actual issues. He instead attacked. And what does he do in the wake of those attacks as things start to get ugly? Not to make a reference back to what he said about Fiorina. He comes out and sort of tries to deflect. He comes out and basically says, well, y'all are stupid, right? When I said about blood coming out of her whatever, I meant her nose, her eyes, her ears. Only a deviant, his word, out there in the audience would think I meant her vagina. Seriously. Um, Carly Fiorina, what I meant was her persona. And as he said in the second debate, she has a lovely face, she's a lovely woman, and so on and so on. Um just sort of not really taking that kind of responsibility. And it just becomes this thing surrounding this persona of his that makes things out to be kind of a mess. Whatever he may be outside of that, behind the scenes, that's not what we see. Instead, we get the mess a lot of times. And it colors the way that people look at him and now as a presidential candidate, his candidacy. Let's roll this back to Chuck Wendig. Chuck Wendig, when you talk about, uh, when you talk to people who have talked to him in person, seen him at conventions, done interviews with him and such, he seems to be a decent individual. A funny guy, albeit a sarcastic guy, but what star, you know, star Wars fan, sci-fi fan isn't at least a little bit sarcastic, uh, and a very personable individual, a funny, funny guy. 
But you get him onto social media, and on social media, he seems, and this has been something talked about by people who have been following him on social media for a very long time. I have not. Um, he seems to have developed a persona there that is different than the actual Chuck. Call it the Chuck, as opposed to Chuck Wendig, just like we have the Donald to differentiate here. And the Chuck, not regular Chuck Wendig, the Chuck is arrogant, abrasive, and combative and seems, at least in those cases, to be somewhat incapable of handling criticism. Now, granted, there were people blasting the book for things that had nothing to do with the book, as we'll talk about. There were people posting one-star reviews on places who had never read the book that were posted before the book ever came out. There are also, as he tends to say that, well, all of those people were people who hadn't read the book. You go to places like Amazon and take a look at the one-star reviews. Most of them have specific details and are verified purchasers of the book. But that's kind of neither here nor there. It's just part of like the rumbling going on in the background. But he gets a lot of criticism, gets a lot of flack, warranted and unwarranted, on social media and decides instead of just sort of taking it in stride to respond. And his legions of followers also respond. I would refer to most of these as sycophantic followers because it, to their eyes, it seems like he could do no wrong and no criticism of the book is justified. Out of the brouhaha that comes out of this, back and forth and blasting and such on Twitter, blasting back and forth on posts on Facebook, a lot of BS starts to bubble up. And between Windig and the followers, or the Chuck and the followers, you wind up with this sort of back and forth that is most of the time not actually about specific criticisms of the book. The specific criticisms like the writing style and such aren't being addressed. For the most part, the one time I really saw a direct addressing of the whole present tense thing, it was prior to the book's release when the present tense prologue was released, and the response from Wendig was basically, uh, can't do anything about it now, suckers! To paraphrase. Yeah. But in this back and forth that comes out, a couple of things bubble to the surface as these ad hominem attacks on fans. Two main reasons why people might not like Aftermath. Number one... Well, you're just EU lovers. You're Legends lovers. You love Legends. And because this book isn't Heir to the Empire by Timothy Zahn, and your beloved Legends continuity isn't the continuity anymore, you're just blasting the book for that reason. There's not actual things to be critical about. You're just a Legends lover. And my favorite, number two, well, see, there are gay characters in this book. And many of you out there blasting the book, it's not because of the things you're actually saying you're critical of. It's because you're homophobic. You're a closet homophobe who can't come out in person, in public, and say, this is why I dislike the book because of these gay characters because you don't want to be labeled a bigot. Instead, no, you're going to find other things to criticize to blast the book to hide your homophobia and yet still get your digs in at the book. That's what you are. Among other things, both rational and irrational being said, those are the kind of things that are bubbling up way out of left field relative to the actual discussion of the book. Until finally... As things start to get kind of out of control, you start to see Twitter posts disappearing. You start to see Facebook posts disappearing. Not somebody posts to his page something irrational or something wrong, and he comes in and deletes it. But a post is made, a back and forth is had, the digs get in, and then, oh crap, people might be looking? Delete. Sanitizing feeds. Uh, a lot of which, just like with Donald Trump saying stupid things that wind up coming back to haunt him, how there's video of him saying those things, in Wendig's case, or the Chuck's case, you have screenshots that people are taking once they realize some of the parts of the conversation were being deleted. Now, again, how much of this is on Wendig? How much is on the people coming after Wendig? How much of it is on his followers? 
in a sense, that's almost immaterial to the discussion. It just creates this bad environment, this bad atmosphere where there's a lot of people angry and they're angry over these interactions, but are putting those interactions and the anger on the books. I am seeing websites where people are doing reviews of this book and they're tearing into Aftermath over what they perceive Windig as having done on social media. How he, he's perceived as having insulted them. What the hell does that have to do with the review of a book? See? Yeah. Nobody, nobody hearing that Donald Trump analogy would ever have imagined this was going to come back to me defending Wendig. We can make decisions about whether or not to buy someone's product based on the author's activities. Absolutely. I actually have a friend who refuses to ever pay money to see a Wesley Snipes movie ever again after the allegations about him beating his wife. Fine. I personally, I pick up books by other Star Wars writers at times. I've picked up uh, stuff by Kevin J. Anderson, for instance. I'm, the next thing on my list, once I get done with Dune, is the Iron Druid stuff by Kevin Hearn. I personally, because of the bubble up of this brouhaha, um, I probably won't ever actually pick up a Chuck Wendig novel unless it's Star Wars, because I support Star Wars, not necessarily Wendig stuff. I, I don't know the guy. I just know this by this secondhand experience of this crap that happened. Um, but... While that is a personal decision you can make, what place does that have in reviewing a book and telling other people whether the book is good? Those of you out there who are making reviews of a book based on the, the actions and activities perceived insults and slights from an author should be ashamed of yourself because you're doing a disservice to your audience unless you tell them up front, I'm reviewing the guy, not the product. So to me, we need to get that out of there. Yes, there was a brouhaha. Yes, he probably insulted people. Who cares if you're going to review a book? Try to be intellectually honest with it or go home. Yeah, you had a lot of people that were really angry that felt like the one stars were, you know, throwing it off. And then you would also have people going, well, there are also people out there giving it five stars and they haven't read it either. And there was this whole back and forth and there was a definite encampment. Uh, and. You know, I, I was like you, Nate. I wasn't really following it that much. Most of the stuff that happens on Twitter, I feel like any in engagement I have on Twitter tends to feel like it's like one of those type of barbed back and forth. Uh, but yeah, there there was a lot of, of, you know, if you didn't like it, well, then clearly you were a homophobe or you were a jilted EU fan. You know, and, and for me, I, I guess I am more of the mid ground on it because I, all the way around the book wasn't what I thought it would be, which... I don't know if for me that's where my problems came from, but I couldn't let anything that anyone else was doing, you know, with their interactions with the author inter impact, you know, how I'm going to cover the review of the book. Uh, you know, for me, it was more wanting to get through the book and wanting to finish it that made the issues that I had with it, you know, kind of more rise to the surface. I mean, I had issues with the it was, it was what first person uh, or third person, first prose or something like that. It, it was a, a different tense than I'm used to. And it really confounded me to the point where I was actually listening to the audiobook and reading along when we got to the writing style, that was more my issue. And yet I found that you couldn't just have a problem with the writing issue without these other issues being thrown at you. You know, uh, the homophobic angle, like, you know, I'll admit that one of the characters that turned out to be gay, I, 
there was a big part of me like it was so nonchalant it was like one line was dropped and i was like you know honestly like i could see a guy dropping that line like you know the person that was hitting on him was pretty powerful lady and you know i mean she could have been a a a triple bagger you know (laughs) and he was just like uh you know i just don't swing that way so it was one of those things where it could have gone either way but the encampments really it felt like a political party thing nate you're 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 right in that aspect it was like you had to pick your camp like you had to defend your reasons why you did or didn't like this book uh and then even then it was like some people would really go at you know whether or not the reasons why you didn't like it or did like it were justified and and that was on both sides of that uh it was interesting to be in that position where you know i wasn't that invested you know i was hoping for a really good story uh honestly right now i'm in the middle of battlefront and that's more of what i thought aftermath was going to be like in terms of tone of a story uh so yeah i was i was kind of like tail spinning on it like i i was so thrown off by the other stuff and the outside of the book book fandom angle i was like time to just check out a social media until i finish this book well so first thing is um and and not to say that it uh it didn't happen or or whatever but you know i i actually started following him on uh twitter now it was after the book's release and uh actually even was checking out his his blog when a lot of the stuff was going on i never saw anything firsthand that I took as him um, being belligerent or or anything like that. Every time that something, you know, I I never saw any sort of uh, homophobic comments come up unless they were directly uh, related to something, uh, you know, to, to essentially a review or whatever stating those things. In fact, you know, you can go to his blog and the the only time that he really even said anything was when someone told him they're like, oh, you know, I just I didn't think you should uh, have made the characters, you know, so many characters gay. And he's like, OK, well, why, you know what I'm saying? Like that was when he would sort of uh, break into that. Also, you know, I mean, it's like I said, it's it's hard to say. I'm not I mean, look, I'm not getting paid to defend him, so I'm not going to. uh <laughs> You know, I'm not going to sit here and, and try to, to defend him all day because I don't I don't know everything, but I did try to to research and look into it and everything. I never saw anything that that I felt like was out of line. A lot of it could have been how I was reading uh, his, you know, his tweets or, or responses or whatever in comparison to, you know, how, how he was saying them. I, I took a lot of it as that he was sort of poking fun and taking things well. And in fact, that has been sort of the response that I've heard from other people. You know, I've had um, conversations with, with other, you know, writers who talked about how, you know, they were actually commending him on, on his, uh, what's his responses to, to the criticism and to how unfairly he was being treated and, and just completely, uh, you know, just being trolled, you know, it's, you can actually go to, I don't suggest, uh, <laughs> I don't suggest it. You can for, uh, verification sake, I guess, whatever, but you can actually go to the Amazon reviews and it's not just a matter of that. He's got a lot of one star reviews on the book, uh, which I'll, I'll mention that 
here in a second as well. But if you go and you look at his five star reviews, every single five star review has multiple comments from people who, and, and when I say multiple, I mean like anywhere from, you know, I'm looking at them right now and I'm seeing the first one, 18 comments, the second one, five comments, the third one, 10 comments. And this is just, you know, it's the same few people going through being like, you're an idiot. I can't believe you like, you know what? And just attacking people for liking the book. And, you know, and, and these are the same type of people who were coming at him. Um, you know, I mean, like they, they, it seems like essentially, cause you can go back, you know, you can mark them by most recent to, to whatever. So you can see that like since the books come out, that's all these people have been doing. They they follow everything that he he posts on Twitter. They follow every Amazon uh review and and then they're sitting here just doing it and they're they're not very uh quiet about it either. In fact, the the uh m- most helpful uh positive review is actually a negative review and they were even saying like in the comment section that, well, I thought we would do that to get some attention or something. It's like, what? Like, okay, whatever, you know, but they're, they're basically just saying, yeah, we're, we're going in here. We're bombing this thing, you know, like we're taking action to do this because we don't like it. And I I just think at that point you have to sort of step back and say, okay, this guy is really dealing with a lot. And like I said, it's, it's just to me, I haven't noticed anything. I, I felt like he's uh, been pretty classy. He's made a lot of jokes uh, in the places that he could have really, um, you know, lashed out. And and I I haven't seen any sort of lashing out. Everything sort of seemed like he handled everything in, um, you know, correctly. See, I'm one to call for tolerance, but when it comes to the militant fans they really put a bad spin on whatever they're touching, whether it be militant EU fans, militant, you know, original trilogy fans or militant anti prequel trilogy fans. Like when you have a strategy and, and you're going militant with it, it's like you starting to blend a lot. Like, you know, we're, we're hardcore fans to the point where like, you know, you don't necessarily want to tell everybody, you know, Hey, come and check out my garage, you know, cause some people are going to be like, you know, Hey, you, you're a geek. And, while I may embrace that, they typically, by the way they say it, don't. <laughs> well, you know, being the the quote guy, let me throw a couple quotes in here. Um, one from a Polygon article that characterized all of this, and one actually from something that you'll be seeing from me in a while in the afterword of the third of those Sequart volumes. The first of which, by the way, is out now. I didn't mention that before. I'll have to, we'll have to put a link up on the page or something once I get a copy of the book to show you in my sweet little hands. But on September 8th, uh, Susanna Polo on Polygon did a quick recap of the situation of what was going on with Wendig and pulled an an important quote, I think, in terms of the reaction that was going on to the book. Because there were some people out there who were bashing the book because it had gay characters in it. It was not one of the major critiques. It is not a majority of the critiques. But it was a hot-button issue, so of course it got a lot of attention, and when he responded to it, it got a lot of attention. It certainly is not something where you should see fandom being characterized in that light, though. Um, But this is how it was characterized, including the quote coming from him. It says uh, that Polo, 
that is, says, But the news that a major Star Wars novel has a gay protagonist is still controversial in the year 2015. At the moment, Aftermath's Amazon listing stands at 2.5 out of 5 stars, with one-star reviews making up 40% of those. Winning himself acknowledges that poor reviews of his book, which aren't necessarily hurting him that badly due to the nature of Amazon's algorithms, likely come from three main sources. Note, this is Wendig acknowledging this. One, folks who have issues with his writing itself. Two, folks who have set themselves up to dislike the new Star Wars canon out of love for the old defunct one, right? The You're just EU lovers. And three, folks who are cool with the universe where giant slugs desire to sexually enslave humanoid women, but not where men dare to casually mention their sexually romantic feelings for men, right? You're all just homophobic. Naturally, some of these points are more defensible or understandable than others, and Winding had some choice words for that last group in a recent blog post about his experience launching the book. Not the only time that somebody working on the Star Wars universe has thrown down the gauntlet on the insensitive lately. Here's his quote from the blog, and I think this is a, a, a relevant point to bring up for those tiny fraction of Star Wars fans who were attacking the book for the gay characters, but again characterizing this as a major source of the attacks on the book or criticism of the book, I think is disingenuous. Uh, at least now in the grand scheme of things, as opposed to maybe within the first, what, day the book was out. The quote is, If you're upset because I put gay characters and a gay protagonist in the book, I got nothing for you. You're not the Rebel Alliance. You're not the good guys. You're the f***ing Empire, man. You're the the oppressive totalitarian empire. If you can imagine a world where Luke Skywalker would be irritated that there were gay people around him, you completely missed the point of Star Wars. It's like trying to picture Jesus kicking lepers in the throat instead of curing them. Stop being the empire. Join the Rebel Alliance. We have love and inclusion and great music and cute droids. And I think that makes a good point, that these are not meant to be things that are supposed to divide and yet, sometimes we allow it to. Sometimes there are people who want to take that some level of bigotry in some form or another and go after it. Although I would argue that there's a point at which, if you're trying to make things diverse, do you overcorrect? This book had more gay characters in it than most Star Wars books, and percentage-wise, more so than what one would expect from a general population distribution if we're using the world as it stands right now, and we're trying to see that reflected in the book. Now, what I said or what I will say, I guess, in the afterward, I think, trying to put this in some context, since it's a saga that brings us together. We challenge each other's views on forums, argue, hopefully with intellectual honesty, our perspectives on writers, stories, and whether person X was right for role Y in product Z. We express ourselves creatively, translating our love for this fictional universe into websites, podcasts, fan films, and more. We get wrapped up in the sweeping scope and the smallest minutia of Star Wars. We must remember, though, as we interact with each other, especially online, that this is primarily about entertainment. It is a hobby, an escape. Try not to take things too personally. Even love can drive someone to take weight onto their shoulders that ought not to be there. If your Star Wars fandom is causing you an excess of stress, try to take a step back. As I'm fond of saying, if your fandom is stressing you out, you're probably doing it wrong. We love Star Wars as an escape from the stresses and frustrations of everyday life. Making it a source of either would defeat the purpose and endanger the very love that draws us back to Lucas's universe every day. In the end, your Star Wars experience, for good or ill, is whatever you make it. Exhilarating, frustrating, relaxing, or maddening. Just remember that Obi-Wan may have been talking about the Force, but he could easily have been talking about our love for the saga. It's what surrounds us in the Star Wars community, it penetrates us on deeper levels than we might often be willing to admit, and no matter our differences, it binds fandom together. Yesterday, today, and even in uncertain tomorrows, it will be with us always. It drives me insane when people try to use Star Wars as a platform to attack. 
And while that is BS that people were attacking the book for those reasons, I find it equally as BS that it would be characterized as of the you know of the review. 40% are these three types. I would bet you that of those 40% that are those three types, the smallest of those three within that 40% was this, and yet it, it gets characterized as if somehow Star Wars fans, by and large, that are attacking the book, you must be homophobic. Well, it's like that boycott episode seven thing. I mean, you know, that quickly became, oh, it's those EU fans. It was like, no, it was three trolls that got everybody really pissed off. Right. Uh, so, I mean, I, I want to say it's I think it's uh, unfortunately from what I've seen, unless it's the uh, a situation of the same people are going in and and posting as uh, different people, which I think is happening a lot. So so that it could be like one guy who really hates gay people and he's making up a bunch of Amazon accounts uh, and then and going in, into, like I said, blog tweets, whatever. So that's possible. It could be just one guy. Um, but unfortunately, I've seen way more uh, people being upset by it than uh, what I would have expected. And, you know, that that's kind of frustrating. But no, it's it's not, you know, if, if you were to break 40% up, split into three parts, no, it's not equal at all. Uh, I will say, however, it seems to me from from how you're reading it and, and how I remit, because I did read that that blog post. It seems more like this is her painting this picture than him. Uh, if I remember correctly, he actually addressed the different things in the blog post, kind of just going through saying, hey, here's some stuff. If And essentially he said, look, if you don't like the book, that's fine. But if your problem with the book is there's gay people in it, well, then I've got nothing for you. So it was sort of broken up differently. I think, unfortunately, for quote unquote, you know, good journalism that she's uh, potentially work this around a little bit to make it seem like it's a much larger issue uh, and, and much uh, what I'm going to say. It, it basically, it seems like she's trying to make it like that's a, a, a bigger issue with uh, the book or that more people have an issue uh, with gay people in the book than what actually do. Sorry, I butchered that. Clickbait, basically. Exactly, exactly. Come to our webpage and read about the outrage as opposed to actually being part of the outrage or there actually being outrage. Exactly. A hundred percent. I think that uh, Mark really hit the nail on the head comparing this to the uh, boycott episode seven thing. I, I think that unfortunately, you know, these these are things that happen with our current current state of journalism uh, that it's it's become like you said it's more clickbait journalism now, and you know people are like, oh my god, look at all these people tweeting about being outraged. It's like, well, where's the stuff that they're well, outraged about? We couldn't find. <laughs> it's like the outrage too that surrounded the bring back uh, bring back legends group at Dragon Con. You know they were going after aftermath as you know this is this is just bad. It's not worth replacing the EU, which. You know, it, which is a bad way to go about it anyway. I mean, if you want to hashtag yeah, continue well, legend, you want to do it together. But, but there was they, a lot of people, disrupting, though. But aren't they disrupting oh, panels and being complete asshats at Dragon Con? 
Yes. Well, that's just it. There was a group that was doing it, but there were a lot of people that were trying to tie those people into the group that was dag- uh, dogging on Windig and stuff. I mean, there was a lot of different things going on socially at that time that were all kind of hinging on this stuff. I mean, taking in, for example, I mean, Windig's book was dropped in the middle of that Force Friday where they dropped the other 20 books. And it wasn't like, oh, hey, by the way, you know, these six books are the ones you want to get first. You know, it was like, Aftermath was really the only one really being pushed because it was Delray's book. The rest were all Disney publishing books. So it was like, you know, it fell in the midst of all that. I mean, there was a lot of different factors going on with whether or not the book succeeded or failed. Well, I I can tell you, um, and and I know this, well, secondhand, I guess, but uh, from an extremely reliable source that, yes, those were actually connected, uh, Mark. The, The people who were disrupting the panels and being, uh, as Nathan said, asshats were also the people organizing you know basically um a campaign to try to uh, or, you know a campaign against aftermath and and Windig. that that i know for a fact because one of them actually approached uh the uh the other host of cloud city casino bruce gibson and was basically telling him of the plan and and what needed to happen and how to join up and how to uh yeah you know, see Bruce. Bruce's re- interaction with them was an interesting one because everyone else I had talked to, to about it was really ticked off, and Bruce was like, "Well, yeah, they asked me a few things." He's like, "I, I wasn't going to do it," but you know, he was kind of like, "I could see where they were coming from," but there was a definite that militant side of things and that really chafed people. And then because of all this other aspects of the, well, if you don't like aftermath, well, you are clearly a homophobic and you guys, well, you only want the EU back. So that's the problem. And I admit if, if you're not willing to give any new Canon books a chance, just because they aren't what you hoped they were, you know, I, I, I think that you've got the wrong approach. I mean, you know, you can want to have them continue legends books and still like what's happening. Well, I I would actually, as someone who loved this book, I'll actually say I have no issue with people who uh, don't want to give it a chance. You know what I'm saying? Like if, if someone said, I really loved legends, this is going a totally different way. I have no interest in that. All right. That's your thing. I have no problem with it. My problem is with the people who go, I hate this. And I hate anyone who loves it, and I hate all of you, and I'm angry, and this is what I'm going to be doing for the next three months, you know, is just spreading the hate. And it's just like, dude, you are not helping anything, including yourself. Like, get another hobby or something, you know, something to to let off the the steam. That's not a Green Lantern ring, dude. It's a troll ring. Take it off. And if, hey, if you're going to be irrational and go out there and yell at people and hate people and, you know, throw them up against walls and stuff, then shoot, get into political protests these days. There seems to be a booming market for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess we could say that, that in terms of just the interactions that happen thanks to the Internet now, something that wouldn't have happened, you know, 50 years ago, that uh, it was sort of a perfect storm of things that could have gone wrong in terms of discussions around the book. And that perfect storm became a perfect Mark will have to censor it again. Storm. Um, number two of the elephants in the room, the writing style. Now, this, I think, is a valid criticism of the book if you are reviewing the book as a product as opposed to reviewing the story. Chuck Wendig's writing style, not going to be for everyone in this book. Uh, most Star Wars novels, heck, most prose fiction novels these days are written in what's called third-person limited past tense. 
uh, third person because it's spoken as somewhat of a an omniscient narrator, right? That's above everything. It's not saying I did this, that's first person. It's not saying you did this, that's second person, like So You Want to Be a Jedi that was recently released. Instead, it's he, she, it, they did such and such. Uh, it's limited perspective uh, in that it's limited to in the narration. When the narration is focusing, say, on Luke, it can only focus on what Luke knows. So a limited perspective couldn't have Luke prior to The Empire Strikes Back and have the narration talking about how he's the son of Darth Vader. He doesn't know it. The narrator can't know it. Whereas unlimited perspective, yes, you can. Like uh, Beware the Power of the Dark Side that was recently released. That is third person unlimited. Um, we kind of got our brains around that sort of thing. But then you throw in past tense versus present tense versus future tense. He writes in third person, limited, present tense. Uh, so it's not he ignited his lightsaber. It's he ignites his lightsaber. It's all as if it's happening right now. It's the kind of writing that you would get usually in a guidebook. Heck, even my Star Wars Timeline Gold is written in present tense because that's how guidebooks and chronologies tend to be written. Uh, encyclopedias tend to be written. Fiction tends to be written in past tense tense. So it, it feels odd. It's something that sounds like somebody's telling the story out loud when a lot of times storytellers tell that in present tense to build up suspense. And that rubbed people the wrong way. Uh, when the preview uh, from the very beginning of the book came out, it rubbed people the wrong way. Chuck Winnie's response was, you know, it's too late to change it now, suckers, or whatever it was that he said. Um, it's something I think that gets easy to deal with once you get further into the book. You just kind of get used to it, but it is jarring at first. It is something that seems to be easier to deal with as audio. Re listening to the audiobook of this it was a lot easier to deal with because it was like someone was telling you a story, which is one format where present tense is often used. That's one thing. Then you've got the grammar side of things. If you're someone who is particularly educated, maybe a teacher who, for whom grammar makes a difference in sentence structure and the way messages are conveyed through sentence structure matter to you, or if you are a grammar Nazi, which is the more negative way of saying it, this book is going to drive you effing insane. Because Chuck Wendig, in trying to create a style, admittedly, in trying to create a style that has a fast pace, sort of a flow of thought style, he writes in present tense to make it feel fast paced, he writes uh, in this particular style to make it seem fast paced. It is a style that makes it seem as though two things. One, that Chuck Wendig failed English language arts in middle school. And two, that he's never met a punctuation mark that he didn't think could be replaced with a period. Whether it's a parenthesis, a dash, a comma, you name it. The book is absolutely littered with incomplete sentences, dependent clauses that cannot exist on their own, just sitting out there by themselves, like, uh, for instance, uh, uh, because he went to the store. That's not a sentence. Yeah, but it says he went to the store. Damn straight it does. That would be a sentence. Because he went to the store is a dependent clause that needs something with it. That is a sentence fragment. Or something that just says a uh, uh, happy period. That's a sentence fragment. Um, he writes a lot of the book in sentence fragments and in the less offensive but still grammatically incorrect form of frequently starting sentences with conjunctions. Uh, if you have a conjunction being and, or, or but. Uh, if you have a sentence like, uh, uh, we like chicken and we are having it for dinner, 
That's, we like chicken, we are having it for dinner. Two sentences, you want to combine them, you add a comma, and you add the word and, or it might be or or but. That's how you make a compound sentence. He doesn't do that. He instead will use the first sentence, and instead of using the second sentence as a sentence, he will put the but or the and or the or in front of it and start the sentence with a conjunction, which is, again, incorrect grammar. It's common usage, but still incorrect grammatically alongside everything else. I want to give you an example of this from the first page of the Coruscant section and then give you some numbers coming out of that section. Okay, uh, so we start Coruscant. It says, then Monument Plaza. I'm assuming that we can't count then Monument Plaza or either of those as sentences. They're kind of like taglines in Karen Travis's stuff, so we'll let that go. So, uh, first chunk of the first page. Chains rattle as they lash the neck of Emperor Palpatine. Complete sentence. Ropes follow suit, lassos looping around the statue's middle. So far, so good. Another complete sentence. The mad cheers of the crowd as they pull, pull, and pull. Nope, that's not a complete sentence. That is one long noun. The mad cheers of the crowd as they pull, 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 pull. The cheers do what? Disappointed groans as the stone fixtures refuses to budge. Yep, another incomplete sentence, another fragment. But, starting with a conjunction, then someone whips the chains around the back ends of a couple of heavy-gauge speeders, and then engines warble and hum to life. The speeders gun it, and again, the crowd pulls. Again, you can add a bunch of stuff to it. It's still not a complete sentence. The sound like a giant bone breaking. Again, not a sentence. That's a subject. A fracture appears at the base of the statue. Yes, way to go. Complete sentence. More cheering. Not a sentence. Yelling. Not a sentence. And also not a sentence. Applause as it comes crashing down. Again, not a sentence. The head of the statue snaps off, goes rolling and crashing into a fountain. That actually is a sentence. Dark water splashes. Yes, a sentence. The crowd laughs. Hallelujah, three sentences in a row. So I did a little uh, experiment with this two pages, half a page, full page, half a page, so two pages. And in that two-page stretch of this opening, he has 59 supposed sentences, 37 of which, or 63% of which, little less than two-thirds, are actual complete sentences. Sixteen of them are sentence fragments, or 27%. And six of them start with conjunction and are therefore incomplete or at least improper grammatical sentences, about another 10%. So, 63% complete sentences grammatically correct. 37% incorrect. For a professionally published novel, that is insane. As a ratio, less than two-thirds, fine. More than a third, screwy grammar. I know it's meant to convey a style for pacing, but it's incredibly effing jarring to anyone who cares about or understands English grammar and proper usage. Which is, again, why I would suggest listening to this as an audiobook. Because this is something that's harder to get past than present tense is. And when you listen to the reader of the audiobook, He's using the pauses the way they're meant to be. Oh, that's a period, but it's actually being used like a comma? He'll read it as if it's a comma, or a dash, or parenthetical, whatever. But it's, it makes a mess of the prose, and that's one of the things that a lot of people were criticizing about the book. And grammatically, tense-wise, it's a style, but it is a valid place of criticism. If you want to criticize the story, it's not valid. If you're criticizing the book as a product or reviewing it as a product, it is. I think one of the things we need to do now that we've acknowledged it here is not let that be part of our criticism or our review of the book itself because we want to focus on the story in the second of these two Aftermath episodes, not focus on the product. But product-wise, 
it's incredibly jarring. You were saying before that it's not actually first person Wendig style. You you were saying it's third person limited present tense. Right. First first person requires it to be like I did this. I did. First person is um, heir to the Jedi or I Jedi. Mm-hmm. Okay. See that's and 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 that I think too came at a lot of the arguments that some people were just, they would automatically dismiss like, Oh, well, you don't, you know, you just don't understand how first person, you know, how first person works. And, you know, when you were explaining that it was third person and there were different tenses, past tense, present tense, future tense, I was like, my brain did a little blast out the side. And I was just like, you know, jaw hanging. Taking you back to school. Yeah, dude. I was just like, Oh man, I must've been sick that week. Like, (laughs) I don't know. I love it's okay. It's it's okay if you were sick that week. So was Wendig when it came to the <laughs> oh. uh, the periods and the commas and stuff. <laughs> Low blow. Um, and yet accurate. Well, well I mean, accurate I, about I, the use I, of the the periods. I don't actually think he was sick that week uh, before anybody bitches. Well, that was one of the things people were like, well, you just you just don't like first person stuff. And I'm like, no, I I Jedi is one of my favorite Star Wars books. So I knew that that wasn't a case. <laughs> so, uh, so, the re- so the retort, if they're saying you just don't like first person, should be you can't recognize first person. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, pretty much. This is, yeah, this is definitely perfect. But, but you were talking about how the audiobook was the better way to go. And, and it was, although I wish that there was a way, even with the audiobook, that they could differentiate when they were going from like a planet to a planet or a scene to a scene from the present to the past. Cause there was a lot of times when I, when I'd switched from reading it to just listening to the audiobook, I kept losing place as to what the hell was going on. I was like, wait, what's, Oh, this is the past. And I, then I finally, I pulled the book out and I was, I kid you not, this is the first book I've ever done it where I sat there and literally read along while I had it being read to me on the audiobook. And I, I and, and that for me was the hardest part about this book was that I I would keep latching on to the way things were being used because I felt like it was going from third person to first person to third person to first person, but I couldn't put my finger on it. I'm like, what in the hell is going on here? Yeah. You know, it, it was almost like, is he a fan of Shatner at times? Uh, but it felt like how I talk and how I write. And I always, you know, I recall like, well, I always got really bad grades for the way I always write how I talk. Like my sentence structure is pretty bad, but... It, you know, this was being applauded in some circles and it was like, if you didn't applaud it with these people, well then, you know, here comes some labels for why you weren't doing it. Well, on the one hand, I will say that stream of consciousness writing is not anything new. It's actually part of what made the novel Fight Club such a big success that eventually became the film. It's not for everyone, but I get that that's what he was trying to do with sort of a stream of consciousness type thing. Uh, two, Mark, I also was reading it sometimes while listening to it, and I couldn't help but sit back and think. I actually said it out loud once, and my wife looked at me like I was crazy. I closed the book, and I turned to her when I turned it off and said, you will know it is time to turn the page when you hear R2-D2 chime like this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh. oh man it's so hard to make my points after that um, <laughs> i'm just totally derailing your head like i'm crapping in your vault huh oh my god <laughs> for those who didn't listen to cloud that, City that, recently, yeah. that's uh, oh that was so good you brought it back even and the Uh-oh. smell still lingers they had to play cranberries while they were cleaning it out. Oh, I told my wife about the crapping in the vault thing. And she said, you guys have way too much time on your hands. And I'm like, yes, when you're sitting in a vault, apparently. Oh, you didn't mean that, honey? What? <laughs> honey? Have you listened to this that one yet, Mark? 
In fact, I did. I, I, I loved uh, Bruce's uh, impersonation of me at the beginning. I was like, oh, that's great. That's what I wanted to ask. It was freakish. It was like, even I was like, Mark, did no, you, is he playing something from the episode? See, and, and I got one in the other day on Star Wars Report for, for Jason. I was, uh, I, I did Jason Hunt. I, I gave, I well, you know, he does such a great Gandalf. So I just was trying to go with his best Gandalf as I could and tried to put a little Jason-esque to it. And everyone's like, oh, you did a good job. Well, I, I, was, I was really trying hard. Beautiful. Okay, so Michael, before we get to the third of the points, uh, your thoughts on the whole writing style thing, because I know you were much more of a fan of this book than we wound up being. Yeah, right. I remember being like jaw on the on the floor when I got your first text about this. You're like, this may have just bumped my favorite book, and I was like, wait, what? Yes. Say that again. <laughs> right, right. Well, so there, there's a couple things that that I wanted to kind of make on that. Now you'd mentioned kind of being confused with the the person, like first person or whatever. That kind of goes to that limited, like Nathan was talking about, because. Uh, you know, the thing that, that I like to kind of compare it to is, you know, because it, it is narrative. So it is in a way that you sort of speak. And it, it does seem like a lot of times the narrative kind of goes with the character. So, for instance, a lot of times the narrative almost feels like a first person or, or like being within the head of, say, uh, Timon. You know, like it's a little more immature. Um, you know, it's it. it the narrator knows what Timon knows. So that, that kind of, I think may have been what may have uh, been tripping you up with the, the first person part. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, so, so here's a little thing to, uh, to kind of explain my, why I'm more okay with it. First off, uh, bringing up, you know, stream of consciousness fight club. I actually really like Chuck Polanak or as I call him, Chucky P. Uh, funny that they're both named Chuck. Um, but anyhow, that's it's it's actually something I I really like the the writing style. But my uh, my background is you know I I studied uh, communications and media studies, which essentially is like it's basically journalism because they didn't have like a little journalism track or whatever. But anyhow, point being, I had to learn to read and write in a lot of different writing styles for that. You know, because we would write. Um, press releases and we would have to, you know, write and, uh, you know, I had to actually learn different MLA and I can't even remember the other one. I'm just like, Oh, which one am I writing in this week? Which book do I need to pull out to make sure I'm doing it right? Um, so I've had to kind of, like I said, be to learn to read in, in different writing styles and stuff. And, you know, I even kind of think back to, you know, like we're talking about with a first person, uh, limited or a third person limited, you know, kind of how, um, this kind of uh, thing kind of goes back to Mark Twain of like, yeah, he, he was sort of doing it, but because it was in more conversational narrative, he would use that. um, He would, he would use incorrect grammar, you know? And so he, he is like, I get what he's doing though. Sometimes I'm kind of like, well, you could have even used it here. Uh, For instance, when he says, you know, the mad cheers of the crowd as they pull comma and pull comma and pull, I'm like, well, to me, I would have actually done that as as the sentence fragments because to me it's uh it's a diff it's not you know pull and pull and pull it's you know a pull a pull you know so that's that's how I I read it um I like his style you know like I said it, it definitely adds urgency and it also plays to that uh that limited you know once again you get the information as it's actually happening 
as opposed to, um, you know, them just kind of telling you along. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It does. You know, the only other aspect of the style is the way the interludes were used. Uh, at times, I kind of felt like they were interrupts. But then I remind myself that this book is book one of three books. And so I don't necessarily know how Chuck plans to build off this first book. Because in a lot of ways, this first book reminded me of the Tales of books. Uh, I'm, I'm a fan of some of the Tales of stories. And I like the concept, but the execution of all the Tales of books haven't quite been my jam. Uh, and so, you know, I kind of felt like that was probably why I wasn't really liking the book overall. And 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 I included that in with the, his writing style. You know, it just felt like at times I felt like things were fractured, uh, you know, like it was a couple different stories being told. They were just kind of all shuffled together and, and there was really no jump on or off. I just, I felt like I was uh Sam Beckett and I was jumping from life to life, like hoping <laughs> to get something right. So I knew when I was jumping again, because it just happened at a moment's notice. <laughs> right. And, and uh, once again, you know, it's just, it comes back to uh preference. I absolutely love the tales books. You know, I, I, I've like all of those. Um, but you know, it's so my thing with that is I, I really like it. I've uh, been, you know, I've read through the, the Game of Thrones books and, and I enjoy those. The one thing I will say about those that I like that I had an issue with were that here with with this one, sometimes they could be too short. So, you know, you know, I, I actually saw one and I'm like, you've got to be freaking kidding me where there was a, a chapter or I, I suppose it was probably an interlude with Akbar and when you actually add, you know, the, the, the letters to the, the space, it was maybe a page and a half. It was a total of three pages, but you know, when you start a chapter, you have the whole thing at the top and then you don't finish the other part. And I'm just like, that's, that's not a chapter, you know? So I did feel like that a lot of times we didn't get to spend, uh, uh, enough time in one story before jumping to the next one. So uh, that, that is one criticism that's, uh, you know, I can totally agree with. I guess sort of to wrap this bit up before we move on to that third point, uh, it, I get this, the whole emphasis of using the sentence fragments. I think though, that sometimes, you know, punctuation matters. I'm reminded of the, uh, of the memes out there, right? I like cooking, comma, my family, comma, and my pets. If that's not in there, it's I like cooking my family and my pets. <laughs> Use commas, don't be a psycho. Or a woman, comma, without her man, comma, is nothing. Or a woman without her, comma, man is nothing. Same words, different comma placement, completely different meaning for them. And because Mark wanted it, Mark, your, uh, your meme on the uses of the comma, right? We have the standard comma. You know Bob, comma, Sue, and Greg, right? With the comma with Bob. They came to my house. Or the Oxford comma. You know Bob, comma, Sue, comma, and Greg? They came to my house. Or the walk-in comma. You know Bob, uh, Sue, and Greg? They came uh, to my house. Or the Shatner comma. You know Bob. Sue and Greg, they came to my house. There you go. There's your Shatner you were asking for, Mark. With <laughs> <laughs> a Jerry comma. You know, Bob, Sue, and Jerry came to my house. 
Okay, that's just scary. Uh, the third point, the third point I think on this that we need to make sure is kept out of a review of the story is expectations. I think there's a lot of people when this book was being promoted as the first adult novel set after Return of the Jedi, something we've been waiting for, and when it was promoted as the first big novel in The Journey to the Force Awakens, people were expecting something very different than what we got. We, I think we're expecting the story of the big three, uh, Luke, Leia, and Han, maybe some Chewbacca action that we would see what happens on Endor and in the immediate aftermath uh, between the Rebels and the Empire dealing with the characters we saw in the films. Or that perhaps by being part of the journey to The Force Awakens, it would take place more than a year after the events of Return of the Jedi and continue forward. And instead, what we got was a book based around mostly characters we don't know, that we didn't that didn't exist before this. We've got Ray Sloan coming back, who's now becoming sort of the constant recurring character in this era, but we didn't really know that at the time. We've got uh, Han and Chewie showing up in one interlude, Leia showing up as a recording, Luke not showing up at all, Akbar being there to sort of kick things off and moving some pieces around on the Rebel side, and Wedge basically as a MacGuffin. Uh, so this is not the book I think that most Star Wars readers looking into picking it up who hadn't read the cover text were expecting this to be. Which makes me think that what we have here is kind of almost like a Phantom Menace effect where the hype was built up for it and people sort of got in their minds what they thought this book was going to be. And when it turned out to be something different, it didn't matter whether it was good or bad. It was different. And they blasted it because of it. They wanted this to be the next big epic scope heir to the Empire type thing. And instead they got the tiny little world of Akiva with these characters we've never met in this more close-knit kind of smaller story. I think I was affected by that to a degree. But I like to think that now we can look at this uh, in our next episode, the second half of the Aftermath coverage, as simply the story for what it is, not what it was expected to be, which isn't fair. Instead, they've got Prelude to Rebellion. What the heck is this? <laughs> uh, you know, that was I think I fell victim to a good chunk of that uh, to the story. I, I, I look at it as, well, I'm not big fan of the tale stories and, and a lot of that writing style, but the way I was expecting this era to play out and how I'd said earlier, it feels like, you know, I'm halfway through battlefront right now and the type of action that battlefront is, was what I was hoping for with aftermath. Um, and it wasn't that type. It was more, it was almost more what you get in Rebels or even with just A New Hope, you know, a ragtag team kind of thing. But it wasn't what I was expecting in a, in, in a lot of ways. Um, and it wasn't always bad, but it, it did leave me not feeling like, you know, it's like when you get a gum where you're like, okay, I have no real feeling on this gum one way or another. It's just gum. It's not like the most flavorful. It's not bad gum it's just it's lasting for a while that's about it and that's really for me that was the thing it was it, the, the book just lasted forever i mean you know i was going back and forth from the book to the audiobook to doing both just you know it became a goal just to get through the book so i could get into battlefront at that point because battlefront had came and i was still struggling through it and i wasn't expecting that i was expecting this book to be one of the ones i was going to grab and just be bam right through uh, you know, even when it came to the expanding universe and legends, there were books that I would get that I would kind of drag through. But it was like whenever I got like a current Luke story, you know, those were the books that I would have done like in two days. You know, I just couldn't put them down. And 
so far I haven't got that. Like there, there have been really good books in the new Canon stuff, but there hasn't been anything that I have not been able to sit down where I have literally read it in, you know, a 28 to 48 hour, uh, time frame. Yeah. So the one thing, uh, too, that, and, and a lot of people also, you know, as far as expectation expected to get everything from return of the Jedi to the force awakens. Mm-hmm. And that's not the case, you know, cause they're like, well, it's supposed to be the journey. Well, every journey has a beginning, <laughs> you know, and that's where we are. Um, so, so I think that that was kind of part of it too. A lot of people were just like, what has this got to do with the force awakens? And it's like, well, wait and see. And, if the answer ends up being nothing, you know, I mean, we're going to have to get through three novels. Um, and if the answer ends up being nothing, then okay. Accurate. Fine. Go for it. But right now it's like, a well, we still got to wait and see. Right. Um, as far as, you know, Luke, Leia and, and Han not being in there. I knew that going in, uh, way ahead of time. And, you know, the only thing I know to say is, you know, read ahead as far as, you know, find out uh, what the book's actually going to be about, read the synopsis. Uh, but, you know, that's, uh, I mean, I understand that, you know, and, and, and I don't even think it's so much that. I think that, you know, there were people who, who weren't expecting that, but I've, when, when you really think about it, Star Wars has been kind of known for, and, uh, you know, it's, it's the one thing of like, well, what's Star Wars? It's the, the Jedi people, right? You know, I mean, the the last thing in the, um, you know, in in the Legends universe that that were being written were, you know, the, uh, oh God, what New Jedi Order, right? So it's yeah, it just kind of basically become Jedi, right? and then when you turn around, it's like, nope, no Jedi here. I can see people who've been used to that and that being something that they love, and going, well, this was lackluster, you know, like this. Where where's the force powers? Where's the where's the noodle scooters? No, I, I know that's not what they were looking for. But <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but you know what I'm saying? Like I I get that. For me, I personally um, and and which like I said made me fall on the total opposite end of the spectrum was that I'm a little worn out from Jedi. I'm just like let's let let's chill on the Jedi a bit. So that's why this book felt a lot fresher for me personally. So. Nice. Well, you know, you mentioned when people were asking about that tie-in, I think it's one of those missed opportunities for Star Wars Insider or StarWars.com. You know, they did at the uh, Star Wars at Delray panel at Star Wars Celebration, Jennifer Heedle had mentioned uh, that, you know, there was going to be very subtle tie-ins. There wasn't going to be anything major. Uh, that people weren't going to be grabbing the books and being spoiled. It was going to be more the opposite, that you would be getting details about things that would be in the movie. But when you see it in the movie, you'll be like, oh, that's what that meant. But it applies to the book, not to the movie. And so they're tying it from that direction. They're very, very conscious about that. But I think that there was a missed opportunity that they didn't share that with the rest of the fandom because that was a lot of people's reactions too. was they were expecting that checklist of, you know, well, this is the state of things and this is where we're going. And 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 it was going to have a clear lead out to something else, which, you know, 
I, I remember as I was in the first one third of the book, people going on about who's that mysterious character at the end and, and all this hoorah. And I get to it. And I'm just like, Oh, what the heck was that? Like, like, you know, I got to it so late to the game. I'm like, Hey, anybody, you guys ever talk about how cool that was? What the, <laughs> who is this guy? What the hell is going I'm, on? I got it now. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, dude, I'm at the prom and there's nobody here. What's going on? <laughs> I know what you're talking about, brother. But, you know, it's kind of like um, you mentioned how their, their approach to tie-ins with this. It's almost as though these are the this is one of the Tales books, as, as mentioned, the Tales anthologies written before the movie came out. We're going to give you all kinds of background on Moma Nadon. Hell yeah. And then you get to the movie and you're like, oh, <laughs> he's the one guy in that one scene. What? What? It's like right now, uh, it'll be out by the time this episode comes out, of course. But I just got one of those NetGalley uh, early copies of an ebook that comes out tomorrow uh, that describes the background of one of the film characters, a background character, presumably in The Force Awakens. And I don't know if it's going to actually wind up meaning anything or not. Um, so I guess... Last thoughts here very quickly, because um, we do have to record the other episode at the same time tonight, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to be very pithy. Uh, Non-spoiler review thoughts. My thoughts would simply be this was not the book that we expected. It is not a book that is easy to read for those who are thrown off by the style of it. I would certainly suggest the audiobook instead. That said, it's a decent enough book. It's a decent enough read. It sets up an interesting mystery at the end. And while I don't think all the main characters got enough depth, there are a few characters that grew on me enough by the end of this that I hope that they do show up in f in future books. I just hope that in the future, it is the main story that is interesting to me instead of all the interludes, because I much would have preferred a book of those interludes than the story that we got with Aftermath. You guys? I, I went back and forth with that, with wanting the story of the interludes and not, uh, you know, there was a weird balance to it, which is where I'm very curious as to where it goes from here. There were characters in there that I did enjoy. Uh, Mark Thompson's reading of uh, Bones, especially Mr. Bones, was awesome. Uh, love that character. I, I know, Michael, you were talking about uh, uh, making a custom one. So, I mean, there's that angle of it. There were a lot of really cool characters. And I like the aspect that, you know, they brought back Sloan. Like we didn't, like you said, Nate, you know, with this other book, the ebook one that, that we've been given to us, we don't know if these characters are going to be important. We didn't know when we were reading a new Dawn, if Sloan was going to come back then. So to have that character come back and have that character have a more important role a more relevant role. And when you think about the fact, the back cover says trapped on an isolated world, a desperate group of rebels is all that stands between the galaxy's freedom and the empire's fury. And when you think that at the end of it all, Sloan, who is obviously the Empire's Fury, kind of, I mean, doesn't sound like a good stand when when I stop and think about it. So, I mean, there was a lot of cool things about the story. I just, the execution for me didn't quite work out, which we'll get to in our next episode more. Okay. Yeah. So for me, like I said, I, I had no issues with uh, like the things that we've kind of covered in this personally. Some of it, I, I understand. Some of it, I think people um may may have uh, overreacted to or anticipated uh, in a way that they shouldn't have you know i think there were people who may have uh you know said oh this is what's going on well i'm going to hate this and then it was just basically oh man screw it you're going to have to edit it up anyways you know i think it was just it was storm after storm you know uh, and um 
I, I just think that um that a lot of a lot of stuff were people, you know, for as far as the actual story is, is people just not either not allowing themselves or just having a hard time uh being able to because of, of these other things we've talked about to to actually evaluate the story itself separately. As far as the you know the the first person or excuse me is as far as the past tense present tense i just i still cannot wrap my head around someone being like oh this is happening right now you know it's like people who get motion sick in in uh, first person shooter games but it's reading a book i, I don't know it's just funny to me hey but, hey <laughs> until this generation i got motion sick when playing first person no, 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 shooter no, no, games friend i know I, that's fine <laughs> But but you know just if if you throw up reading a book because you're like it's coming at me too fast then it's like, who Nathan I don't know what to do for you brother that's, that's true it's coming right for us and that <laughs> speaking of what's coming right for us ladies and gentlemen I think now you've got our non spoiler thoughts we've got the three banthas in the room out of the way so that they can't taint our look at the story the way it tainted so many other sites and podcast views of the story get ready for an honest discussion of the story of Aftermath in our very next episode with Michael back again. Well, with Michael Morris, not Michael back again, because we don't know Michael back again. <laughs> that guy is so... I'm sorry, was, was there supposed to be a punctuation somewhere in between there? ha <laughs> <laughs> Now that about wraps up this episode of Star Wars Beyond the Films. We'd like to thank you once again for hanging around with us. We ponder on sharing our fandom. Thanks again, Michael, for joining us. Uh, throw out some contact details for all those Beyonders out there who might not know their way to Cloud City. Yeah, so we are also on the StarWarsReport.com uh, website. You just go to the little podcast section, look for Cloud City Casino. We also have a Facebook page and a Twitter, which is just Cloud City Casino. And uh, you can also just send us an email at CloudCityCasino at gmail.com or find myself or uh, host Bruce Gibson uh, on Twitter, which is uh, I'm at Morris Isley and he's at Admiral underscore Rex. Nice. And remember, you can always listen to ours and Michael and Bruce's episodes streaming online on the Star Wars Report website, Second Airborne Division of Podcasts at www.starwarsreport.com. Episodes are also available on Stitcher and on iTunes, which we always encourage you to leave a review while you're at it. You can also find links to our episodes on both our Twitter and Facebook pages at SW Beyond Films. Or just type in Star Wars Beyond the Films in your search bar. Even no matter how you get there, be sure to like our Facebook page. It's one of the best ways to interact with us. It's our own home one, if you will. Not only can you post comments to us about the show, we love interacting with you fellow fans. So if you have any Star Wars and or Legends questions, or you just want to comment about a past episode, fire off. You can always email us directly at swbeyondfilms at starwarsfanworks.com. Now, lastly, before we go, we want to mention to you our sponsors, Audible. If you go to www.audibletrial.com slash Star Wars Report, you get a free trial run of audible.com to see what they're all about. Our sponsors have more than 100,000 titles. It's growing daily. You can explore the Star Wars universe out there, the canon or legends one, or any other genre without risk of being stuck with a book you flat out hate because Audible members, they can exchange any book within 12 months. That's one year with no questions asked. So, in this digital age, if you're thinking of making the switch from the page to the audiobook, Audible just might be right for you. 
So, once again, for Stars Beyond the Films, this has been Mark and Whistler. And Nathan. And Michael. Saying thanks for listening, and may the Force be with you. And you're still in space diapers. And don't quote us the odds that my space diapers are overflowing? Depends. But <laughs> <laughs> Nice. There you go. <laughs> Naturally, some of these points are more defensible or understandable than others, and Wendig has some choice words for that last group in a weird re- fuck. <laughs> <All right. laughs> mute! Because I'm getting all the- I'm getting crinkly, too. Uh, wait. Michael, I think I'm hearing your something. Hold on. It sounds delicious. Use that mute button! Okay, there's that. Uh, that's funny. All right, um, here we go. Much more. Har, can't think of the. If you are into grammar, if you are, as dogs are barking outside, can you hear that? <laughs> dogs and stupid people. He's a tramp. Uh. I'm trying to get my thought together once they shut the. <laughs> get your dog already. All right. So, uh, first chunk of the first page. Damn these mother people and your poodle ass bitches outside. <laughs> Go smoke your weed and weed up the smell of our laundry room, you holes. Stop being outside the fucking window this time. Whoa, 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 I'm trying to read along. And I, what page is this again? This is page seven. No, that's what I'm using. I don't see. Are, are we sure we're in the same book? Because I don't see. Go smoke something else, you mother. No, yo, man. <laughs> <laughs> you, man. Okay. All right, so here we go. I couldn't resist. All right, so. All right, so music. Chains rattle as they lash. The sound like giant. The sound. This. God damn it. You can write it, Wendy. I can do you it. You just can't speak it. That's the thing. It's, it's hard to read whenever it's like this. Let's try this again. The sound wait, like wait wait you got to adopt Shatner at some point no like not this one you know kind of how um oh what's that soul's name um damn it Huck Finn um Mark, Mark Twain I just uh, sorry I can't get my thoughts together oh and I guess to say that I'm Michael yeah say so and Michael.